we say we are a Christ-centered church. But this is not just an affirmation, a statement. It needs to be followed through. How can we identify our lives with the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ? And I want to start with prayer. So I pray that this morning through this sermon, we'll be encouraged to establish a priority in our lives that contemplate a prayer life. Because I believe that prayer is not one activity of the church and the life of the believer. It's the main river, main flow, where everything else is coming. So this morning, let me introduce this message saying that prayer is a mission possible or impossible? Thank you for those little amen that I say possible. You encourage me. I have to assume that for many then, prayer is impossible. But let me tell you something. Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, encourages all the Christians to not cease to pray. So if this is the encouragement that we receive, it seems that because our busy world, we don't make room or enough room to spend time and connection with prayer and prayer to God. Now, prayer is one of those things that we, as human, have the tendency to make very complicated and difficult. And maybe that's one of the reasons why we are discouraged to pray, because we think that it's something complicated, reserved only for special holy people. But let me tell you something. Prayer should concern all the Christians. And not just those who are in the ministry or those who are in leadership. And while I was preparing this sermon, just for curiosity and as an experiment, I went to write down on the Amazon website the word prayer. And only on the Amazon.ca, so meaning just here in Canada, there were over 60,000 books listed. 60,000. I went on Amazon.com and there was more than 80,000. So it gives you an idea how people though struggle with the idea of prayer, are interested to pray. So then we have to assume something. that Unfortunately, many Christians have the desire to pray but they do not know how to pray. And I have no doubt that many Christians would love to spend more time exercising their faith with prayer. However, my understanding is that many times, even speaking with believers, is that they don't know how to pray. I have a good news. You are not the only one. Even the disciples say, Lord, Teach us how to pray. Remember? In Luke, if we go in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, that is a parallel to the text that we'll use this morning, the disciples say to Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples. And I ask the Lord that we have the same thirsty for prayer. You know, I truly believe that the problem is that most of the time when you are becoming a new Christian, and I have to say it is a part also of a lack of teaching on that, usually we'll learn how to pray 
on Sunday morning gatherings like this. Or maybe if you are blessed and you go in a small group or in a Sunday school class, you also can learn how to pray. But what I'm trying to say that learning only on Sunday morning can be a good and a bad thing at the same time. Because I truly believe that prayer starts from the heart of the person that is born again in the spirit and is born again because of Jesus Christ. So this morning, let me give you some attention uh, on the teachings that Jesus made on the request of the disciples. Lord, teach us how to pray. And we will read in Matthew chapter 6 from verse 5 to 15. This morning, I will focus more on the aspect of the teaching. And then next Sunday, God willing, we will speak more on the example of the prayer life of Jesus and the model of prayer that he gave it to us in this passage. So let's read on chapter 5, uh, sorry, chapter 6, beginning from verse 5 of the Gospel of Matthew. And may the Lord continue to bless his word to our hearts. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to our Father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard by the many words. Do not be like them. For your father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven. Allowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. I know that uh, some uh, Bible, they have uh, the doxology at the end of our father prayer that says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, this doxology was not recorded in the same prayer of Luke, the gospel of Luke neither included in the earlier manuscript. Let's say that it started with the, the decay. That was the teachings that are not included in the Bible. I find that it's good too. If we say for yours is the kingdom and the power, the glory forever. Amen. But if you don't find it in the Bible, you know what, what is the reason. So let's go to this portion of teachings concerning the prayer. You see, Jesus' expectation is that we make time to pray. I like what Jesus said, and when you pray. When you pray is an affirmation. It's not a doubt if you will pray. Or if you will have a time this week to pray. But when you pray, 
I think one of the many things that we can take away from a scripture that we read this morning is that it is expected for those who have already experienced faith in Jesus Christ to be prayerful, to pray, to connect with God. You see, we live in a world that wants us to fill our agenda with so many things that there is no space, as I said before, for removing ourselves from other things and focus on prayer. And I believe that is one of the most successful strategies that the devil is using to witness the life of a believer and enlarge the life of a community. If you look in different churches today, I'm not saying this to talk bad about other churches, but it seems that prayer has disappeared from the, the service in itself. There is no more time to pray. You know, the church of Jesus Christ needs prayer. And if we go back to the book of Acts, we see how prayer was one of the things that the disciples in the early church was doing constantly in their gatherings. And uh, our text today says, when you pray. So God expects us to spend time in prayer. The words he uses here, whenever you pray, are an affirmation of the reality of prayer in the life of the believer. Jesus was a great example in personifying that concept. If you read it through the Gospels, you see that most of the time, Jesus, especially in certain special occasions, was taking time to go in solitary place and devote himself to pray. Any major event of his ministry on earth was signed by prayer. And I'm wondering, I look back at my life. I don't look back at your life. I look at my life. So I speak for myself. How many times I would avoid wrong decisions if I would have spent more time in prayer. But because we rely on ourselves and not in God's help, we say, I don't need God in my life. In reality, this is what we are saying. If we don't pray, we are admitting that we have no need of God in our lives and His guidance. But we see clearly in this text that God delights to hear Christians or His children praying earnestly and fervently. And I say this often, it's not just to say good morning to Jesus or good night to Jesus or thank you for the food that you provide in our tables. Those things are important. But I'm talking about quality time spent in the presence of God. Fervently, earnestly. It's something that you feel in your heart that you cannot do without. Prayer is so important. James states that the fervent prayer avail or produce much. In James chapter 5 verse 16 we read. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. You see here the sense of community that there is tied to prayer. That you may be healed. And now the prayer of a righteous person has a great power as it is working. So we are encouraged to pray. James then goes, goes on on verse 17 and 18 uh, to place us into the same category of the prophet Elijah. 
Now, if you remember who is the prophet Elijah, you will understand that Elijah was a man in connection with God. And his prayer life was so powerful that he prayed. And for three years, there was no rain in the nation of Israel. And then he prayed again and the rain came back. And my brothers and sisters, we cannot do the work of the Lord if we don't pray. If we don't depend on God. If we don't depend on the assistance and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So God is expecting that. Not because He's a cruel God. But because He loves to delight in giving us according to His purpose and plan. So if the prayer of the righteous person avails so much and it works... Why we are not praying? Why we are not doing it? Or why don't we do it more often as we are doing now? And why don't we don't see also results coming out of prayer? Can I be honest with you? I will dare to say that these questions have the same answer. We tried and we were discouraged because it looks the prayer didn't work. Pastor, I pray. Nothing happened. I asked God to intervene, but he didn't. I tried to do whatever the Bible says, and I was very serious in my request to God, but it didn't work. Why have to continue to pray? And to avoid the disappointments, we stop praying. Can I be very personal on that? And again, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. I remember when I came here in Canada, one of the reasons I came was to assist my mother-in-law that at the time was sick with cancer. And one of the reasons that I came so confident, I had my schedule already planned. Because I was busy ministry in Italy. I was already pastoring a church. And I was very happy to be the pastor in the church. And I said, I go in Canada, and um, we stay with my mother-in-law. We will go there. We pray for her. She will be healed. And then I will go back in Italy. My plan was perfect. In my mind. And I remember, more time was passing. My mother-in-law was not becoming better. I'm sorry, I'm still emotional with that. And I was mad with God. Very mad. And I remember even the day before she passed away, I was at the hospital. And I was praying, Lord, you can do a miracle here. You can bring life in this body. And I remember my mother-in-law said with a few words, Mario, stop to pray. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. And I have to say, this was one of the worst moments of my spiritual life. I was mad with God, anger with God. God, you removed it from my congregation. You brought me here. And instead to see you at work, I'm seeing death coming to this body. I was mad. It took me time and restoration and forgiveness from God for my attitude. You know what? God is sovereign. He sees things that we are not able to see. And he worked in us because I was very proud I remember when we met with my wife, we sat apart five years 
before getting engaged and eventually getting married because I told her, I will never come to live in Canada. My ministry is here in Italy. <laughs> and I learned, never say never to God. <laughs> and after five years, when we met again, I was in Rome, with, in the hotel room with my mother-in-law and my, and my future wife. I said, listen, I'm in the ministry. I cannot start this uh, relationship because I will never come in Canada unless the Lord will take the few hairs that I have on my head <laughs> and uh, will bring me there. I was so full and sure of myself that I didn't need God to intervene in my life. I was not depending on God. And things changed. And you know, when we are not depending on God, we pay bad, bad, bad experiences. So don't be discouraged if you don't see your prayer answered in the way that you want. Trust God. He's on the throne. He knows better than you. Be faithful in praying. God will make a way because his way is better than your way and my way. His thoughts are better than your thoughts and my thoughts. And whatever we see as an obstacle, God sees as a way to bring glory to his name. And to edify and build up our faith. I like what... Uh, R.C. Sproul said, prayer is for God's glory and our benefit. Prayer is for God's glory and our benefit. I heard this wonderful man of God saying this when I was in Minneapolis for a conference. He was one of the speakers. So my brothers and sisters, take time to pray. Don't be intimidated by the enemy convincing you that prayer doesn't work. Prayer has always affected our lives. Maybe God will not change the situation around us, but will change the situation inside us, inside our heart, in our soul, in our mind. And it will come to a place, and we will come at a place where we will learn how to depend more and more on God and not on ourselves. And then if... Uh, we need to make time. Then the second point I want to share is Jesus' warnings on how to pray. First of all, to be seen by others and try to impress God with the length of our prayers. Or the beautiful grammar of our prayers. Or the understanding of all the scriptures that we may know. And showing up in our prayers. You see, you say, you must not be like the hypocrites. And when Jesus is talking about hypocrites, he means that the hypocrite is simple one who doesn't have neither the willingness nor the passion to really know God. I give you an illustration. Do you have a, ever had the feeling that you converse with somebody and the person is not listening to what you have to say but has already an answer? In his mind to give it to you. And really doesn't care about what you are saying that moment. It's just thinking how strategize his point. So he can overpower you with uh, the way that he speaks or she speaks. Sometimes I feel that when we have that approach to prayer. We are like that. We are not ready to listen what God wants to say to us. But we want to say what we think is important to God. 
And we pray in this way. And this way we show that we are hypocrites. Because if a prayer is the declaration of dependence on God, and we are not willing to listen to God, why do we pray about it? No, prayer is bidirectional. You speak to God, but also God speaks to you. It's not just to let Him know, but also, God, I want to hear what you have to say. And Jesus said, don't do like the Gentiles. You see, at the time of Jesus, it was customary for the Jewish, Jewish people to pray three times a day, according to the tradition that was given and introduced by the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They thought Abraham pray in the morning, Isaac at noon, and uh, Jacob at three o'clock in the afternoon. So there were different prayers, and one of them was the Shemaiah Israel, or Hear Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. And there was a, what we call the, the Amida or the prayer. It was a group of 18 or 19 blessings if you count the silent one. Where the Jewish were praising God. Were asking their petitions and then they would give thanks. This was done three times a day. But the place where this was done was inside the synagogue. These people, which Jesus is referring to, they were praying to be seen by others. Instead to pray in the synagogue, they were praying with the wrong motives, to be seen by others like a spiritual. And Jesus said very clear, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Jesus said, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. If you pray with the mother to be seen as a spiritual by others and to know that and to make sure that others know that you have a prayer life, that's the reward that you have. There is nothing more that God can do for you. Because that's the purpose of your prayer. Jesus said, don't do like that. Please. Jesus warned us to pray in secret. In verse 6 it says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. Now the idea is that private prayer, or should I say Prayer, which is personal, is not done to attract the attention of others. Go into your room. The Greek word here is speaking about the room that was inside the last part of the building that was facing the street. The most secret place of the house. Go there so no one can see it. The Jews were using the talit to pray. It's the shawl that they put on their head and to cover their head as a sign of respect to God, but also that they close it. So they isolated themselves from the other and they can pray. Now, let me say something to you now. The true motive behind prayer is the pursuit of solitude with God in this moment. And it's not done to be noticed by others. A time of intimate prayer 
A conversation with God is between you and God. There are things that you need to cultivate between you and God alone. There are things that you need to confess between you and God alone. There are requests that your soul is thirsting for that you need to give to the Lord in the secret. Without publishing everything. Now, I'm tempted now to open a, a parenthesis here. You know, sometimes it's so discouraging to see believers on what they post on Facebook, Instagram, all the social media. Because the image they portray outside is not always a godly one. And we should be very wise in the way that we portray ourselves and our faith in the social media. Close parenthesis, maybe we will talk another time with this. Again, and I'm not saying that you don't need to share your prayer request. There is such a wonderful support that you receive when you know that your request is shared with other people. And you benefit from the interception and support and prayer of other people. But what I'm trying to say, let's learn from this commandment here in secret. And my experience is this. If you are not cultivating the secret prayer, you also struggle to cultivate a public prayer. If you learn how to pray, if you cultivate your prayer life in secret, you also allow the prayer life to overflow from your heart, from your, your soul to others, and you will bless others. Next Monday, we'll have a baptismal service. When the person goes inside the tank behind me, what happened? That if the water is full, it will overflow with the, <laughs> the body in itself that goes inside the water, right? There is an increasing of the volume of the water to come outside. Now, if you truly are connected with God in prayers, your life will be overflowing outside. You will touch other people. In your way that you intercede for them. In the way that you pray for the church. In the way that you pray for the community. In the way that you pray for those who are asking prayers. Let our church be known as a praying church. That pray in the secret and loves to pray publicly. Maybe we'll bring some changes even in the corporate prayer. We are discussing this with the board. To allow more participation also from people and the way that we pray during the corporate prayer. And we ask God to direct us on the point of view. And then my third point is our understanding of God will determine the way that we pray. Verse 7 says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for the many words. Jesus here is warning us about using many words in our prayer. The word Jesus uses here literally means bubbling. From the word in Greek, batalogeo. It means praying with intensity, keeping repeating words, screaming, stamping your feet, thinking that because you do that, God will hear you. That was a very pagan way to think about prayer. When people that were not devoted to the God of Israel, they were devoted to many gods, they were trying to impress God, praying long, long prayers. Building up 
also an emotional state of their outstanding position before their God. And I will give you an example. Not that it's wrong praying with our emotions. And I want to be very clear on that. Because God created with our emotions. There is nothing wrong if you, as you pray, you feel to cry before the Lord. Because the Lord is touching you. And before the contemplation of His majesty, you feel so blessed to know Him. But when you use emotion to get the favor of God, that's a wrong view over your Heavenly Father. I want to be clear on that. I want to give you an illustration. Remember when Elijah challenged the prophet of Baal. He called this challenge. He called 400 and plus prophets of Baal to pray with him. They had a, a, a sacrifice to make. And he said, if Baal is the true God, fire will come from heaven. And will burn the sacrifice. If the God of Israel is the true God. He will answer the prayer. And uh, Elijah said. You will start first. He was so sure that they, they will get no answer. So I say start first. Let's read the passage. In 1 Kings chapter 18. Verse 26 to 28. And we'll see here the difference between Elijah and the prophet of Baal. And they took the bull that was given them and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no one to answer. As they limped around to the altar they had made, at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is amusing, or is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud, and they cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances, until the blood gushed out upon them. So they were screaming, they were dancing, they were making this noise, they were cutting even themselves to get the favor of their God. Because they didn't have a relationship. They had a, a righteous view of their God. It was not a good God. So they had to prove themselves that they were devoted to them. But look at the difference now of Elijah, the prophet of the God of Israel. He knew what God he was serving. He knew that it was the true God. He knew that it was the powerful God. And what he does? In verse 37, he prays in this way. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me. That this people may know that you, O Lord, are God. And that you have turned their hearts back. Very simple prayer. And the fire came. And if you read the story, he made it even difficult for himself. Because he went around, he, he put water on the wood three times. To show them that the power was not in the fire in itself, but in the one that would send the fire. When you know who you are praying to, you also 
pray accordingly. If you believe that God has no power to listen to your prayer, you will pray defeated at the beginning of your prayer. But if you know that God is listening to your prayer, you pray with conviction. You pray with faith. You pray without wavering. Because you know the God that you are praying. Now, even in our days, the same strategy that was used by the prophets of Baal are used in many religions, even among Christians, so-called Christians. Let's say Sufism is a mystical way from Islam, which emphasizes the practice of the inward search for God, focusing on meditation, on chanting sessions, on dancing. And though they have a good intention, the Sufi are trying to reach their God, Allah, in this way. It's a very similar approach is used also by the Buddhist. They repeat chants and they repeat mantras which are linked to meditation and open their soul to the power of the energy that is in the universe. And then you have a Christians, Catholics, repeating rosary bits, Hail Marys, and doing this with the purpose to connect in a deeper way with God. More you're repeating, more God is pleased with him. Prayers don't have to be long to be effective. Prayers need to be honest and sincere. If you read the Psalms, you notice that there is also those prayers are called lament. Lord, until when you were not listen? Lord, look at my heart. Look, my soul is thirsting. I'm falling down. They are very real. And that's why I love to pray with the Psalms also in my prayer life. Because you understand that prayer is something sincere, honest. And you go before the Lord because you know that is a merciful God. You can talk to Him. And when I mention those religions, there is missing a personal relationship. There is no connection as you and your Father on earth. There is connection for us that we know that our Heavenly Father is our Father. Amen. The one that loved us in the same way that He loved His own Son. This is what we learn in the scripture. I like what Charles Haddon Spurgeon says. Christians prayers are measured by weight and not by length. Many of the most prevailing prayers have been as short as they were strong. So prayer does not beg favors from a reluctant God. We don't need to get the favor of God begging him. Jesus says very clear, he knows what you need. He knows what you need. Jesus himself is introducing here a concept that was completely new to the Jews and to the own disciples. God is your father. Paul later on will say, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy, Paparino, <laughs> it's in Italian. You know, you can have a relationship with him. And Jesus say, God knows what you need. 
And he sees your heart. You see, your prayer time, then it will be completely changed. You don't need to beg God. You need just to let him know what you need. Not because he doesn't know. But because once he sees you depending on him. We are really favored by God. Because of Jesus. We are really favored. Because he is the one that saved us. We are living under the favor of God. Since we believed in Jesus Christ. And we are part of his family. If we are children of God. We are no strangers. Jesus say, I call you friends. You understand my point, what I'm trying to say here. We don't need to beg God. He already is waiting at the door. He's waiting for you to pray. He's here, he's on you. I love the Psalm 40 when he says that God inclines toward me. So when we are not able to reach him up, he's going down to us. That's the way that we see God revealed to us in the Bible. You see, gone are those times where only Moses can go to the top of the mountain and be in the presence of God. Jesus made and revealed the Father to us. When Philip asked, Lord, can you show us the Father? And Jesus answered, if you see me, you see the Father. So God is revealed in Jesus. And Jesus reveals the love of the Father. And that's why Jesus said in verse 8. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. What Jesus shows us in our text today. Is that prayer is not like sending an order to a supplier. No, it's based on relationship and understanding that you have of God. His knowledge of us should encourage us to pray with confidence, without wavering, without doubting. Let's pray with assurance. Let's pray with faith. Let's pray believing that He is the rewarder of our faith. Praise God for this. So let me wrap up this message. I have a good news to say then. Prayer is for you. Prayer is for you. Prayers for me is not just reserved only to spiritual people. No, it's reserved to all of us. All of us. Then neglecting prayer disconnect us from God. And we remove the confidence and the dependence that we need to have on Him. So when you disconnect your prayer life, you are removing the influence of God in your life. And you are on your own. But you want to have the blessing of God. My challenge for you today is to find ways of spending more time in prayer in your life. To take the time to pray not only for you, but also for the community of faith that you belong to. For the community outside the church. For your neighborhood. Be an intercessor. And then, is God useful to you or beautiful to you? Do we see God as somebody that we can get something from? Oh, we are in love with God and we want to be in connection with Him. 
You don't need to force somebody to go and visit the lover of her soul. You want to look forward to be with your lover, right? Prayer is like that. God is not just somebody that we pray because we need something. No, it's beautiful to our eyes. We love to be with him. We love to spend time in his presence. We love it to enjoy his presence in our lives and commune with him. So, my brothers and sisters, I'd like to close with Adam Clark, that is a commentator. He said his words, prayer requires eloquence of the heart more than the tongue. The eloquence of prayer consists in the fervency of desire and the simplicity of faith. Then the most important question, again, do you pray to control God? Or to be controlled by God and to know Him. Can we stand, please?